Well, good morning, Converge Nation, and thank you so much for joining us for Resurrection Sunday right here at Converge uh, as we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord, the most important, the most significant watershed defining moment in all of human history. And here's the good news. Because he lives, you and I can live as well. In fact, the scripture promises this, that the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you and lives in me. First John chapter 4 and verse 4 declares, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So as we celebrate the resurrection of our Savior, we also get to celebrate the fact that we live out the resurrection life that Jesus promised. Amen. Amen. What you got for us? I know you got something. <laughs> I'm ready to preach, but I'm going <laughs> to stick with my welcome. Again, I echo Pastor Ray and thanking you so much for joining us. We know you have options, but we so appreciate that you would stop by and celebrate with us. And as we keep the celebration going, go ahead on right now and grab your crackers, grab you some juice, uh, a piece of bread, a piece of granola bar, some water, because we will be celebrating communion together at the end of this service. Again, on behalf of Converge Church, we love you. We still miss you, but we're so glad that we get together through, we get to get together through technology. Amen. Take my hand, baby, as we pray. The Bible declares where two or three are gathered together in his name. There he is in the midst of them. So, Father, right now, Pastor Wendy and I touch and we agree. And, Lord, we thank you for all that you desire to do in this place, that it will come to pass, that no word you. that you declare today will fall to the ground unfulfilled, empty, or void, but it will prosper in the thing whereunto it is sent. Today, Jesus, we pray that you would be lifted high, exalted in our hearts, and in our lives. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you still turn graves into gardens. And we declare today that Christ our Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's worship together. God bless you.
Isn't it so good, so good to be reminded that he turns graves into gardens? Um, this, this Easter, uh, I think that's a great reminder of the kind of God that we serve. Um, and I think one thing that we really need to grapple with sometimes is how God shows up in ways that we don't expect him to. And that's something that we learn um, from this passage of scripture that we're going to be looking at today. And the passage of scripture is lifted from uh, the gospel according to Mark chapter 16 uh, in the New Living Translation. And we're going to be reading from verses 1 through verse 8. And the passage reads like this. It says, Saturday evening, when the Sabbath had ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. It says, very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. Verse, six, or verse 5 says, when they entered the tomb, they saw a young man, clothed in white robe, sitting on the right side. The women were shocked. But the angel said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they had laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there, just as he told you before he died. And verse 8 reads, The women fled from the tomb, trembling, bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone, because they were too frightened. Um, 
What I love about this is what we see here. Easter Sunday, this is the culmination of the scandal of grace. And it culminates in this paradox, really, the paradox of the empty tomb. Because in, in this passage, what the scripture is really trying to get us to do is it's challenging us to grapple with this amazing and shocking claim of who Jesus Christ is. And so today, I stand before you to challenge you, just as the scripture is doing, to ask yourself, this Easter, who is Jesus, really? Um, and see, this is a paradox because the way the angel addresses them, this is the good news. You would expect them to be excited, ecstatic, and jumping with joy. And yet, their first response was fear, bewilderment, and confusion. See, the good news is, the way the angel addressed them, he knew exactly what they were thinking. He knew exactly what their hearts were dealing with. And this is something that I feel that God has really called me to address today. See, sometimes we have these bonds and bondages in our minds and in our hearts that prevent us from really seeing God and what he's doing in our lives at those moments. And so the good news, the angel tells them, you are looking for Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who was crucified. And I love that because he specifically addresses where they come from, but he also addresses the thing that they're missing. So he says, look, you are looking for Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who was crucified. But here's the contrast. He isn't here. He is risen. And so what, what the angel was saying is, you're looking really for the wrong guy in the wrong place. Um, you're looking for the Nazarene who was crucified. He came here with burial spices, expecting to bury his body, but he's not here because the person you should be looking for is the risen Christ, the one who's gone to Galilee to meet you there just as he promised. See, I feel like the Lord has told me that he has given a special word. He has spoken a word over every single person's life. And yet sometimes when we look around and the circumstances don't match the word we think we heard, we begin to get confused and we begin to doubt whether or not this was indeed God's plan. And so the angel is addressing that exact paradox, that fight within, the internal struggle. They expected Jesus, the Savior, the hope to be there with them. And yet he was no longer there. And so, or so they thought. Right? And so that's why they went to the tomb, expecting to bury who they thought was going to be their savior. But the thing is, Jesus knew, and he told them multiple times, that how they expect him to show up is not how he's actually going to show up. And so this is what I love about it, that when we come into this place where we're looking for God in places that we knew he was going to be, and yet we don't see him or we're not able to trace him in those ways, we can deal with disappointment and hurt, just as these disciples were experiencing. The men didn't even show up. They were so distraught, so broken, that they didn't even bother to show up. And the women, in their pain, thought, you know what, the best thing we can do is go and bury our Lord. At the very least, we can do him that kindness. But I love what the angel said. He said, he isn't here. And what I also love is about what verse 7 says, that he has gone ahead of you to Galilee. And he will meet you there just as he told you he would before he died. And see, the Lord is saying that the word he's spoken over you, that word is still valid. Whatever he's told you is still valid. Even if the circumstances don't even look anything like what you expected, the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord will indeed come to pass. And so he's gone already ahead of you. He's already gone ahead of this pandemic. He's already gone ahead of every struggle that you have today. He is there, even, the, even though you don't see him right here, right now, he is there with you. And so what the, the, the paradox really here of the, of, the, of the empty tomb is trying to get us to, to think through is who is Jesus? And so my question this Easter for each and every one of us, the thing that we need to address in our own hearts 
is who is Jesus to us? See, I feel like reading the scripture, Jesus is saying, look, I conquered death. So who am I to you? I feel like what Jesus is asking is, am I the disappointment of Friday or am I the promise of Sunday? Who is Jesus to you? I feel like what, what the scripture is really trying to get us to do this Easter is get us to think about how we're going to respond to the empty tomb. Are we going to respond by choosing to trust in him and acknowledge Jesus as our risen king? Or like the women, are we gonna respond with confusion, with bewilderment, and without knowing what to even believe? I submit to you that what Jesus wants us to get out of this is that he is indeed the risen son of God. But more importantly, my prayer, my fervent prayer is that this Easter, that the Holy Spirit would illuminate the person of Jesus Christ for each and every one of us and truly get us to understand the meaning of the empty tomb. Because what it is, is that the risen Jesus, he was the one that was forsaken on the cross so that you and I will never ever have to be forsaken. He was forsaken so that you and I could forever experience the divine personal presence of God. And so again, I ask you, who is Jesus to you? And this Easter, how will you respond to the paradox, the good news really, of the empty tomb. And with that, I pray that Christ will show you his heart and he'll show you that he's already gone ahead of you to prepare the way. So whatever you're going through now, he will turn these graves into gardens and he will give you beauty for ashes. I pray that this will stay with you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Forever he is glorified. Forever he is lifted high. We're so grateful to God today and happy Resurrection Sunday. Uh, so glad that you come to, to share with us on this Easter. Uh, we're so grateful to God for what he continues to do in our lives and what he continues to do not only here uh, in Dallas but around the world. Our scripture reading this morning is coming out of uh, the book of Hebrews chapter number 12 verses 1 and 2. And the word of God reads as the following. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, discarded the shame, and now is seated in a place of honor beside God's throne. There's three things I want to share with you this morning that I believe will encourage your heart. I want to talk about crowds, crosses, and crowns. Crowds, crosses, and crowns. You know, we live in such a society, uh, uh, particularly in this social uh, driven um, capacities that that, that much of us that have taken on, that oftentimes we are very, very obsessed with numbers and we obsess with uh, how many likes and and how many clicks and 
how many followers and, and how big of a crowd can we amass to ourselves. But one of the things I believe we've learned about uh, in this season, even as it pertains to the pandemic, is that oftentimes crowds can be deceiving. And that oftentimes earthly crowds are often built on quantity, how much they can amass, how much they can bring to themselves. But the scripture talks about there is another crowd in heaven, a crowd of heavenly witnesses that are cheering us on, a crowd that is looking at our lives and, and who, who, who are great champions of faith and that cheer us on when things get difficult and that cheer us on when things get tough and when things get rough. And what I love about the crowd in heaven is that the crowd in heaven cannot be pushed away by a pandemic. <laughs> the crowd in heaven cannot be thwarted by any disease or any sickness. But it is the crowd that God has ordained to help challenge us and root us on and encourage us to be everything God has called us to be. Yes, sir. The scripture talks about not only the crowds, but also talks about crosses. The Bible says that Jesus endured the cross because of the joy awaiting him. One translation says that because of the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Now, many of you have, uh, may have heard uh, many preachers uh, use the term your why. What's your why? What motivates you? What gets you up in the morning? What is that why thing that helps you push forward? The thing that helps when you're tired and, you're, and it's difficult and there's challenges and you want to get up, you want to quit. They say, think of your why. Think of the thing that motivates you. Think of the thing that keeps you going. The scripture says, because the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross. See, Jesus had a why. And the great thing about Jesus' why, his why just wasn't spelled J-E-S-U-S. His why had your name on it. His why was for you. The cross he went to was for you. The stripes he took on his back was for you. The death he went through was for you. And most importantly, the resurrection that he went through was for you. And so it was the cross at this place where Jesus allowed his why to be stronger than the what that was around him. The circumstances and situations that were pounding in on him. He said, Father, I've got a greater reason. I've got a reason. Watch this. Greater. And here's the great thing about a why. A why is always greater than yourself. Yes, sir. It's bigger than you. If it was all about you, it's too small. It's minute. But when you have a why that's greater than you, you can push forward and persevere and be everything who God has called you to be. And then there finally is the crown. The scripture says after he went through his why, after he went through the testing, after he was able to suffer on the cross and overcome death, the scripture says, says this, that he was now seated at a place of honor at the right hand of God. And one thing you have to understand, whenever you finally push through and do what God has called you to do, after the cross, there is always a crown. Yes, sir. And yes, that is the great thing about God. You don't just go through struggles and circumstances and situations for nothing, but God has a reward for those that are faithful to him, that will serve him and stick it out through the tough times, the good, the bad, and the ugly. There is a reward for those that are faithful to God. There is, watch this, there is a resurrection after a death. Whenever you take on the cross and whenever you uh, do things that you may not want to do, and understand this, all of us have to take on our own cross. Jesus died on the cross, but we also have to take on a cross. See, Jesus endured the cross, but the question I want to ask you today is, are you willing to endure your cross? The things that you may not want to do, the things that are uncomfortable, the things that you have to say no to, the things that you need to say yes to, the people that need to leave your life, the people that need to come back into your life. These are all, these are all crosses in our lives that all of us have to bear if we want to be more like Jesus. The reality is this. It's not enough just to celebrate Jesus. We have to emulate Jesus. Yeah. It's not enough just to, to, to put on our Sunday's best and come out to service mm. 
and, and come to church uh, uh, just on certain times of the year. But if we really want to live this thing for God, and we really want to appreciate and value the death, his burial, and even his resurrection, it's not enough just to go to the motions. You have to put your faith in motion and yeah. start acting like the God that, that we serve. Yeah. Good. And so we have a crowd of witnesses that are looking down on us. We have Jesus who set the example of dying on the cross. But then we have the crown that comes to those that were faithful, that lived for God and persevered through trials, situations, and traumatic situations. Remember this, there is no resurrection without death. There is no death without a cross. And every cross leads to a crown. God bless you as we celebrate our Savior on this Resurrection Sunday. So much has changed since last Easter. The world has been shaken. Life has been disrupted. What we once called normal seems like it may never return. It's been easy to be discouraged, to lose hope, to feel the foundations of our faith begin to crumble. It's hard to keep our feet planted when the ground beneath feels like shifting sand. Now more than ever, we need to stand on the truth of Easter, a day which changed our eternity, changed our world forever. Death was defeated by life. Sin was consumed by mercy. The grave was swallowed up by victory. See, even in the darkest of moments, the love of Jesus could not be stopped. His faithfulness could not be broken. And when the dust settled, Jesus, he stood alive and victorious. Today, may we remember the truth of Easter, the power of the resurrection, and the promise of eternity. Yes, the world has been shaken, but the grave, it's still empty. And Jesus, he's still risen. Well, good morning again and happy Resurrection Sunday, Converge Church. Well, I should say Converge family, friends, and partners, because so many of you have been watching us. But we thank you so much for celebrating with us this morning. And Pastor Ray has given me the awesome honor to deliver word with you with two excellent, able ministers of the gospel. So I'm going to bring a little girl power this Resurrection Sunday, and we just pray that the Lord does the rest. So if I had to put a title to my little short message to you this morning, I would entitle it, The Resurrection, Faithful to the End. Now, when I think of the resurrection, I think of, you know, celebrating and, you know, the sacrifice Jesus made for me and, you know, all of the wonderful things that maybe most of us think about. But when Pastor Ray approached me and said, hey, can you just give a, a, a small message for Resurrection Sunday? For some reason this year, I was thinking about resurrection in a different manner. When I heard the word resurrection, as I began to think about it, I simultaneously thought of faithfulness. The resurrection of Christ represents to me in this season in my life, his faithfulness. What comes to mind when you think of the resurrection? Many of you know I was a school teacher, so the teacher in me looked up the official definition of resurrection, and this is what it says. The action or fact of raising from the dead, restoration to life, 
the revitalization or revival of something. And so when I'm thinking about resurrection, I'm thinking about the faithfulness of Christ, and I'm also thinking about the current circumstances we're in. Over the past year, due to the pandemic, so much has been lost. Lives, jobs, routines, resources, connections, and in some cases, commitments. We've not only had losses, but we've also been in some inconveniently constructed tombs, sheltering in place, quarantine, working from home, etc. Can you look back over the past year when you think of resurrection and just ask yourself a very deep question? Ask yourself, what has died in me that once was alive? Now, you may not ask yourself that, but that's what I am asking Wendy Harmon today. What has died in you due to all of the circumstances that once was alive? What has died in me that needs a resurrection because the power of Christ lives in me? Let's look at Hebrews, the third chapter, and the 12th through the 14th verses, and I'm going to be reading this morning from The Voice Translation. Hebrews 3.12 says, Brothers and sisters, pay close attention so you won't develop an evil or unbelieving heart that causes you to abandon the living God. Encourage each other every day for as long as we can say today, so none of you let deceitfulness of sin harden our hearts. For we have become partners with the anointed one, Jesus, if we just hold on to our confidence until the end. And that's what we see in the life of Christ. And even when he was on the cross, that the confidence that he had in God, his father, the confidence that he had in us, believing in him and joining him in salvation, gave him the foresight and the strength to make it to the very end. There's one scripture, I don't have it in my notes, but Pastor Ray has quoted it so often that I love dearly. And it's this, it's in John 13, the first verse from the New Living Translation. It says, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth and now he loved them to the very end. Can we say that with all that's going on? Are we loving Christ to the very end? Or have we been distracted by what's happening in the news and how our routines have been broken and even not coming together? Are we loving Christ to the very end as he loved us? Let's not, us, let's not let us compartmentalize the resurrection to Christ alone. If we are not intentional, we will find ourselves like those we see in Malachi, the third chapter, the 13th through the 16th verses. I'm going to read now from the New Living Translation, and this is what Malachi 3, 13 through 16 says. You have said terrible things about me, says the Lord, but you say, what do you mean? What have we said against you? Verse 14, you have said, what's the use of serving God? What have we gained by obeying his commands? For by trying to show the Lord of heaven's armies that we are sorry for our sin. From now on, we will call the arrogant blessed. For those who do evil get rich and those who dare God to punish them suffer no harm. Can our hearts sink into that place like we see in Malachi? We can look at what's going on in culture and we can say, what use is it to serve God? It seems like the rich and powerful, they get their way. But remember, we must hold on just like Christ held on. In verse 16 of Malachi 3, it says, Then those who feared the Lord, not in terror, but had a holy reverence for God. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with each other. And the Lord listened to what they said. 
In his presence, a scroll of remembrance was written to record the names of those who feared him and always thought about the honor of his name. When we're not meeting together in church, are we still having a consciousness that, yes, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so? Are we still trying to treat our neighbors with love and kindness? These are the questions I'm asking myself as I'm celebrating the resurrection with you. What needs a resurrection in my spiritual life? In this season, resurrection for me, again, says faithfulness. Remembering and celebrating the resurrection seems to be calling me to a different type of awareness of where I am spiritually. Yet I am encouraged because you know what? I'm not alone. You aren't alone. We are never alone. I know Brother Damon read this scripture, great minds think alike, but I'm going to repeat it in the voice translation, Hebrews 12, 1 through 4. It says, so since we stand surrounded by all those who have gone before, an enormous cloud of witnesses, let us drop every extra weight, every sin that clings to us and slackens our pace and let us run with endurance the long race that is set before us. Now stay focused on Jesus. In these days, it's so easy to get off course, but aren't we so thankful? Aren't we so grateful that Jesus himself never lost focus? Again, verse two of Hebrews 12, it says, now stay focused on Jesus who designed and perfected our faith. He endured the cross and ignored the shame of that death because he focused on the joy that was set before him. And now he is seated beside God on the throne in a place of honor. Consider the life of the one. The one who endured personal attacks and hostility among you in your striving against sin, none has resisted the pressure to the point of death as Christ did. And so these minor afflictions, though they may be great, I want us to be excited today to say, I've not endured the persecution that Christ endured. And he didn't just endure persecution and hard times and slander, he did it for us. Can we make it to the end? He believes we can. I believe we can. Let us do this together. Let's evaluate. I've been evaluating in myself this Resurrection Sunday. Am I committed to the very end? Whether it's the pandemic or current events or the news, whatever it is, there's so much noise around us, all around us, so many distractions, yet we have an example so many examples from the word that if we have laser focus on Christ and his promises, that we can make it like he did to the very end. Let's flip on over to Luke, the 23rd chapter. I'm going to read to you verses 34 through 43 out of the voice translation out of the voice translation. Now the voice for this particular scripture reads almost kind of like a school play or where I come from the Baptist church, a Easter play, but it gives us a clear picture of what is going on when all of the voices, all of the noise that can just bombard us in the good times, in the bad times, but right here at the cross, there is so much noise around us converge let us recenter ourselves this Resurrection Sunday and set our minds and our eyes to the hills from where comes our help. Luke 23, out of the voice translation, starting at verse 34, reads as this. We find Jesus on the cross between two criminals and being bombarded with noise. Verse 34, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. So here Jesus is on the cross and he's got the fortitude and the love to say, Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Meanwhile, while he's asking God to forgive his persecutors, the crucifixionists, meanwhile, they're drawing lots to see who would win Jesus's clothing. The crowd of people stood watching. 
Here are the authorities mocking Jesus, saying this. So he's supposed to rescue others, was he? He was supposed to be God's anointed, the liberating king. Let's see him start by liberating himself. This is the mockery that's going on at the Christ. The soldiers joined in that mockery. First, they pretended to offer him a soothing drink, but it was sour, sour wine. Verse 34, hey, if you're the king of the Jews, why don't you free yourself? Even the inscription they placed over him was intended to mock him. This is the king of the Jews. This is the king of the Jews. It was written in Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. Can you imagine? They just wanted to make sure everybody could make fun of him. In modern days, that would mean it would be on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Here we have one of the criminals joined in the cruel talk. So you've got the soldiers, those in authority mocking him. You've got the crowd kind of watching, others mocking. Then one of the criminals besides him begins to join in in the mockery when he's being crucified as well. One of those criminals says, you're supposed to be the anointed one, right? We'll do it, rescue yourself and us. It says, but the other criminal told him to be quiet. When I saw but the other criminal, you know what, I thought about myself. And I haven't broken any natural laws, but I have broken some laws of God. I have done some things that don't please him. And so I found myself in that, in those three words, but the other criminal told the other mocking criminal to be quiet. The believing criminal says this according to the word, don't you have any fear of God at all? You're getting the same death sentence he is. We are getting what we deserve since we committed crimes, but this man has done nothing wrong at all. Turning to Jesus, he says this, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, please remember me. In verse 43, it says, and Jesus responds to that believing criminal, I promise you that this very day you will be with me in paradise. Believing to the very end, even on the cross of death, this criminal believed. Where do you find yourself being crucified today? Is it with lack? Is it with frustration? Is it with illness? Don't give up, hang on to the very end. God is listening. Through all the personal and cultural noise that surrounds us this resurre resurrection season, don't lose sight. Don't shrink back. Don't be like those in Malachi who say, what use is it to serve the Lord? A pandemic came. I've lost family members. I've lost a job. What good has it been for me to tithe and to go to church? And some of us may want to throw in the towel, but I'm throwing you a lifeline today and say, wait, don't give up. It's not over. Christ is still on the throne. And I'm going to leave you with this encouragement as I close out of Hebrews 10, 35 through verse 39 out of the voice translation. It says, remember this, do not abandon your confidence, which will lead to rich rewards. Simply endure for when you have done as God requires of you, you will receive the promise. As the prophet Habakkuk says, in a little while, only a little longer, the one who is coming will come without delay. But my righteous ones must live by faith. My friends, we are not of those who give up hope and so are lost, but we are of the company of those who live by faith and are saved. We are here to encourage one another to not shrink back, to not give up. This Resurrection Sunday, I encourage you, make it to the very end. Join me in renewing our commitments to the cause of Christ. Faithfulness, serving, prayer and fasting, even having the courage to rejoin 
public services, where it's available to you and where you feel comfortable, it is time for us to get back into worshiping together, not just doing something on Sundays that we always did, but the word says that we are to encourage each other until the day of his return. So as we celebrate this Resurrection Sunday, I encourage you to be faithful to the very end. Don't let our separation, don't let sheltering in place, don't let the quarantine or the pandemic separate you for, from the love of God. Don't let it separate you from your hope in him. Because if Jesus rose from the dead, that is what we believe. You know what? We can rise out of this circumstance. This place is not our home. We are just passing through. But as we pass through, let's do it with confidence. Let's do it with joy. Let's do it in knowing that on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. God has always, always been faithful to do his part. So let us be faithful to do ours. Don't give up. Don't shrink back now. He is able, willing, and he will do it. Amen. I love you. See you next time. sing I see
Converge Church. Come on, let's lift that up to Jesus this morning. As we prepare to close out today's worship experience, as we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord, I believe that God wants to remind us that the power of the cross is not in behavior modification, but in life transformation. That there ought to be evidence in our lives that there is a resurrected, a risen Savior and his name is Jesus Christ. In fact, the word of God declares that after Jesus was resurrected over a period of 40 days, he revealed himself to the multitudes with many infallible proofs, indisputable, undeniable, irrefutable. Now, these are not only historical proofs, but what God wants to show the world today is the evidence of his resurrection in our lives, in your life, and in my life. Notice what Brandon Manning, Manning said several years ago. He said the greatest single cause of atheism in the world is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, walk out the door, and deny him by their lifestyle. Somebody say evidence. Honor him and acknowledge him with their lips, but walk out the door and deny him with their lifestyle. He continues and says, that is what an unbelieving world finds so unbelievable. But listen, this Resurrection Sunday, that will not be the testimony of Converge Church. Because everywhere we go, in every station and season of our lives, People will see the evidence of his goodness all over our lives. We will manifest the goodness and the glory and the kindness and the love and the faithfulness and the power and the anointing of God because that is the evidence that this world needs. Not just our words, but to see the evidence of this risen Christ in our transformed lives. So right where you are, as we promised, we're going to celebrate communion together. 
we're going to remember the finished work of the cross. 2,000 years ago, Jesus declared, it is finished. And on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So right where you are, in the comfort of your home, we want you to take the symbol, the emblem of his broken body, a wafer, a cracker, or bread. And I'm going to pray this blessing over those symbols. And as you receive the bread, you receive covenant. You receive all the promises of the covenant in Jesus' name. Father, right now, we thank you for your broken body, your body that was broken 2,000 years ago so that we might be healed and so that we might be made whole. This morning, we ask your blessing upon this symbol, this emblem of your broken body. And as we receive it, we receive, Father, covenant. We receive your promises. And we receive the evidence of your goodness all over our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Take now and eat the emblem of his broken body. Glory to God. I feel something in the studio tonight. Come on, somebody. Y'all just stay right there because God is in this place right here and right now. The scripture declares on the same night that Jesus was betrayed, he also took the cup and he said, this is my blood which is shed for you. And as often as you drink it, you do it in remembrance of me. Remember, the scripture declares that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission, no forgiveness of sin. In that blood, the stripes of Jesus, we are healed. So, Lord, we thank you for the cup. We speak blessing. And as we receive it, we do so by faith. We receive healing. And we receive all the promises of your covenant with us right now. We receive the evidence of your goodness all over our lives. And we declare, why should I fear? The evidence is here. Father, we thank you for all that you have begun to do in our church. This Resurrection Sunday, in this time of celebrating communion, and God, we pray that the evidence of our transformed lives will be our witness and our testimony in the days, in the weeks, and in the months to come as we continue in worship right here as the team leads us in these songs or in this song, Why Should I Fear? The evidence is here. Come on, Converge, let's worship together. Hallelujah. by today's message, we would love to hear from you. Maybe today's sermon was exactly what you needed to hear, or you prayed the prayer of salvation for the first time. If so, we would love to send you some information to help you kickstart your relationship with God. Or if you want more information on how to join our virtual family, email us at info at weareconverged.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do so online safely and securely at www.weareconverged.com give. You can also text 77977, type in Converge Give in the dollar amount. You can also find all of this information on our mobile app. Simply open your app or Play Store, search Converge Church Plano, and download the app. It's that easy. Thank you again for joining us for today's worship experience. We look forward to staying connected with you.